I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and we're officially just days away from the NFL season kicking off. It's been a wild week in the NFL with news out the wazoo. So joining me today is our redraft specialist. You can find him everywhere at ThatFFNerd. It's Jason Draven. Jason, how's it going getting settled in our, in our final days of the preseason? Yeah, I can definitely tell that it's coming up just because of the fact that Fantasy Life app is going crazy. They're having all these updates. It's just incredible. I'm loving it. I enjoying hard knocks. I'm all these people getting cut and everything. It's going to be interesting. It is an absolutely wild time. I don't know about you, but I've had like three drafts already this week. I've got another one tonight, depending on when you guys are listening to this. Wild times right now. Wild times across the NFL. And then be sure to follow along with all the wildness on importantnonsense.com. With that, it brings us into news. So we're going to start with QBs. Cam Newton is a captain. We've got Captain Cam. Patriots week one starter versus Miami. I'm all in. Cam is going to go scorched earth on the NFL. It starts week one. Yeah, and it's just crazy because like Bill came out multiple times like, oh, I'm not really naming him a starter, but he's a captain. The team's naming starters. And then I saw a reporter say that Bill is talking more positive things about Cam Newton than he ever did about Brady. And that is just mind-blowing. I mean, not really because Cam's talent is significantly higher, but it's just an interesting thing that Bill Belichick is talking more about Newton and Brady. Absolute stud across the board. I am so excited. I don't know how you keep him out of your top 10 QBs. I really don't. Another quarterback that I am worried about, Carson Wentz, is day-to-day with a soft tissue injury. Jason, how do you feel about that? Man, I absolutely hate it. I had, was, I'm always so hopeful for Carson Wentz because he's one of those players that you just really like to see. But He's they, so talented, right? It drives me crazy. I mean, and then, of course, go figure, half of his team's hurt, so that doesn't help anything. And the Eagles literally just cut pretty much everybody besides Sanders, Scott, and uh, uh, not Michael Warren. It's somebody else, but it's still... Michael Michael Warren's there. They've got Elijah Holyfield as well, but it's no one. It's no one behind the, behind Miles Sanders, really, and Boston Scott. Well, and then Ertz, that contract issue, is also very concerning. I think that this is a time that you want to make sure to grab Goddard just in case things don't go like they should. Like I just did in the uh, important nonsense draft. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So our next piece of news is actually some breaking news from Adam Schefter in a competitive battle. Bears are expected to name Mitchell Trubisky the starting QB, source tells ESPN. So we are just about to talk about this. We are both about to say that it's going to be Foles. How do you feel with this breaking news, Jason? Yeah, we'll see how long he's actually in there. That that we know the D Filippo connection. I just it's hard for me to believe that they're going to trust Trubisky more than Foles with more experience. But if he's not picking up the offense, maybe. But again, I, I just I just am not saying it. Question for you: Over under two point five interceptions Trubisky throws before he's benched for Foles. <laughs> over. <laughs> over three. You think it's going to take three interceptions? Yeah, probably. All right. That's fair enough. It's going to be quick, though. It is going to be Foles' job very soon. 
maybe they just want to put him under put Trubisky under fire with Montgomery out. Who knows? Anyways, a quarterback that is benched but not gonna but excited anyways. Alex Smith has been cleared for eleven on eleven drills. He's practicing, but he's not going to start. It's Dwayne Haskins' job. Yeah, I get that. It's just one of those things that he has such a great combative mentality. He's a leader. He's one of those people that's really talented. And if you can have him on the field, I I will not be surprised if Haskins or somebody else goes down, he's going to be the guy to come in and will just be an excellent QB again. He's one of those players that you just really love to see behind center. Just a fantastic story. Just not fantasy relevant until something happens to Dwayne Haskins. Absolutely. Alex Smith ahead of Kyle Allen, though. Other QBs that have been named starter, we have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's going to start over Tua for a little bit, and Tyrod Taylor, who is expected to start most of, if not all of the season, because Justin Herbert sounds like he's struggling. Jason, as the resident Chargers fan, what do you think? Yeah, I, of course, watching Hard Knocks, man. Seeing him actually struggle one week, I was expecting to happen sooner, so we'll see. Just again, we'll depend on how well uh, Tyrod ends up doing, and See if we can actually do something with the loss of James. I'm more worried about the defense than anything else, and that hurts the Tyrod Taylor issue. That is true. The worse the defense is, the more likely Tyrod is to get yanked. But moving on to running backs, a more exciting topic to talk about. Leonard Fournette was released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars were trashing him. Doug Marone said they couldn't get anything. Couldn't get a fourth, couldn't get a fifth, couldn't get a sixth. Cut him, and he immediately upgrades. He goes to the Buccaneers. He's chasing a ring now instead of tanking for Trevor. So how do you feel about this? Bruce Arians has said Rojo is their guy. Cut special teams, Captain Dare Gumbawale, pour one out, dagger to my heart. And they also cut seventh round rookie Raymond Calais. So, so much going on. Two main questions, Jason. Number one, what is Fournette's value? And number two, is there anyone in Jacksonville that you're targeting now? <laughs> um, With Fournette, I mean, it's going to be one of those things. He's coming into the system. He's going to have to pick it up. But because of the fact that they cut Dare that makes me really think that he's going to be that third down and passing downs guy. Um, I could also see uh, LaShawn coming in there and doing it, but again, I, I really think that Fournette's the more talented back there. He is more, by the end of the season, he's probably going to have around 200 carries and four receptions, and of course, is going to be the TD guy. He's the big back. He has the experience. I'm just amazed yeah, by him. It's important to remember that LeGarrette Blunt scored 18 touchdowns with Tom Brady under center. That, that, that's in the range of outcomes for Leonard Fournette. It's not likely, but it's in the range of outcomes. Anyways, moving on to the Jacksonville backfield. Who do you got there? I mean, the only person I'm really interested in is Chris Thompson, and that's because Gruden, he knows Gruden. It's one of those things. I Now with Armstead back on the COVID list, they only have the Wizard of Azigbo and James Meet the Robinsons. Like Those are not people I'm not wanting to have and put full trust into young backs like that. I just can't see it happening. You know what? Usually I don't like your jokes, but those were actually good. Those were <laughs> yes. They impressed me. And so it is important to remember that Raquel Armstead was placed on COVID IR for the second time. So we're not going to talk about the implications of that long-term in the real world, but it is scary for his football future right now. He is falling behind the depth chart. He was expected to be a backup anyways. He's missed about three, four weeks already. He is behind the eight ball, absolutely. Divine Zigbo is the guy I prefer here when it comes to all the ball carriers. I think he's really talented, had a great career at Nebraska. They also have James Robinson. He's going to be in the mix, but yeah, it's an absolute car wash. 
Chris Thompson is going to be the lead back. He's likely going to be the red zone back like Danny Woodhead was back in the day in the receiving game. Absolute mess. I don't want any of it, really. Moving on to more exciting things, Joe Mixon got paid. He got a deal that's going to get him $12 million per year for four years. His average per year puts him RB6 behind Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, and Derrick Henry. So great for Joe. Always happy to see these players get paid. But a player that deserves to get paid and hasn't been yet. Alvin Kamara apparent, appeared to be holding out. He missed multiple practices. Suddenly we get words that the Saints might trade him. They're not putting up with this holdout. And then Kamara comes back and says, oh, I was never holding out. I had an epidural and I was I just took some time off practice. I was still in the building. Spicy situation forming in New Orleans. What do you think there, Jason? Yeah, I mean, you, just because he's so talented and don't get me wrong, I really like Latavius Murray behind him and both of them have great value, but he has to get paid. He's just so talented, especially this year. They're wanting to go to the Super Bowl. He's the guy you want back there. It's, I mean, just one of those things. You can't like you not said, pay the man. Want to go to the Super Bowl. This could be Drew Brees last year. I truly think it is. Maybe he has one more. But you're telling me they're going all in on this Super Bowl run. They're apparently going to sign Jadavian Clowney this week. And they're going to do it without Alvin Kamara? Yeah, no way. I don't know. I don't know. So spicy there. We throw in Dalvin Cook. He's been wait. We've been waiting forever for him to hold out. It's really intriguing with the 2017 running back class. How do you feel about the Minnesota backfield? Who are you more worried about actually missing time? Yeah, Cook would definitely be the guy just because, man, Alexander Madison is just one of those players who really comes in, steps in, has the talent, finds holes, has what showed off last year when he was healthy to play. But golly, Cook just mentioning the fact that he might not play makes me so nervous. And I would much rather go Camaro than cook. Fair points, fair points. So yeah, if the world turns upside down, Dalvin cook misses any time, Alexander Madison, such a steal. So it does sound, but it does sound like cook is going to play week one. That's what the Vikings are expecting. Anyways, keep an eye on that. Also keep an eye on the Boise state running back dropped in the middle of Minnesota as this contract saga unfolds. Same with Latavius Murray, both backfields to watch. Jason, yeah, that, was, that was a pretty solid joke. The world turns upside down. I love the Hamilton reference there on Alexander Madison. That just worked out so great. I'm super impressed with that one. Solid joke there. It was supposed to be more subtle than that. Thank you for feeling the subtlety of my joke. But anyways, moving I didn't on. I want to laugh in the middle of your sentence. My bad. Uh, thank you very much. Anyways, you were in on Uncle Len to the Bears. You really wanted Fournette to sign there. Obviously didn't happen. Artavis Pierce is getting hype as the Bears early down back. Demos out week one, week two, maybe week three and four. Honestly, free Cordero Patterson. Start him week one in DFS. He's only costing you about 5K salary, and he's going to get 20 touches week one. Yeah, okay, we'll go with that. He, he's a great player. I really enjoy him, but he just isn't one of those people that I see actually doing a lot in the backfield. The person I'm really looking at is Tariq Cohen. I mean, the guy is a monster in PPR and just seems to be the guy that after literally not having anybody else there, Cohen's going to be the one that kind of steps in and takes over. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Cohen has his role. He's got that PPR value. But Cordero Patterson, between the tackles grinder, he just deserves it. The world deserves to see it. Anyways, on that note, I was in on Leonard Fournette to the Patriots. We know I am into the Patriots. I am a fan. So Damian Harris and Sony Michelle now appear to be rotating as the first team offense. Kind of looking the same, except now Harris is a risk to miss week one. He broke his finger, and that's another headache in the Patriots backfield, especially now that Lamar Miller's finally back. But he's wearing number 35, so I'm not really worried about him making the roster. He's probably going to get cut. So with Harris out, Sony being bad, Lamar being cut, what does all this mean, Jason? 
man, I'm really seeing a trend here. I am guess I'm just going with all the pass-catching backs here because it's James White for me. I mean, he's a monster. Yep. I don't understand how you can not love this kid, and I don't know why they don't give him more carries. He's always explosive. He's one of the most consistent players on the field, and he really fits what Cam wants to do here. So just what I'm thinking, I really like James White. He's a big sleeper for anybody who's able to pick him up late, especially over Sony, especially over Harris. And def- definitely over Delmar. Another thing, too, is the Patriots just cut Mohamed Sanu. That is news we'll get to later. So that kind of opens up things on the underneath, all those dump-off routes. Oh, who dominates in that area? Oh, James White. Surprise. So Patriots, yeah, backfield, is, Patriots backfield is so messy, except for James White. Draft James White. He should not be going in the 7th, 8th round, but he is. Another messy backfield, LA Rams. Darrell Henderson is not moving past rehab. He's still trying to get back into actual padded practice. Not happening yet. So Malcolm Brown projects to be the week one starter. Cam Akers is looking like he's going to have every opportunity to run away with this job. Jason, are you in on on Cam Akers? You're in on Malcolm Brown. I mean, I have to go with the senior here and Malcolm Brown just because of the fact that I'd love to see Akers do this and take over. But again, he wants an RBBC. Brown always seems to have good games and is pretty consistent. He knows the offense. Week one, it has to be Malcolm Brown for me. Uh, it's okay he's thinking week one, as long as you think long-term we're going to see Cam Akers, but still, just it's boring. I am I was all in on Malcolm Brown last year. Didn't happen. He's just so boring. Well, it's really Henderson that you want, but with him being hurt, that I was so pumped for him to be in for week one because I thought he would be a great value against a horrible defense for week one and just be able to explode through but of course not it has to be brown's job so i understand the hate but it's gonna be cam Akers job soon enough anyway anyways moving on to an even more boring backfield the new york jets rookie running back lamichael p ryan dealing with an ankle sprain also kalen balaj we had a long talk about him way too long talking about the jets backfield and of course we're gonna do it again because it's a mess he was what sent back to the dolphins because he failed his physical hamstring injury Miami's going to cut him and he's probably going to sign back with New York eventually we thought he might they might end up signing Leonard Fournette but in the meantime Frank Gore has been the most productive running back in Jets ca- training camp that's a direct quote Bell reportedly looks slow and Gay says he's looking at a 60-40 split for Bell and Gore about four to five new starters on the offensive line so yeah I think I'm just out of this in this backfield I think I'm finally out okay Adam sure whatever you like Bell apparently he said that in the media today I don't care I'm out you're just now getting out on this backfield? Are you joking me right now? Come on, man. Ever since a, I saw... There was enough value in Bell for a bit that he would fall sometimes, but it, it is all gone. I know, but that whole exchange between Gase and Bell about him having hamstring issues and tightness and whatever else, blah, blah, blah. Of course, I lost all hope. I get it. But right now, I hate to say it, you really need to grab Gore from waivers like I did in our Dynasty League. I'm just saying. So oh, he's, he's locked into 100 carries. I really can't argue with you there. And red zone work. Let's do this. Uh, a player that we did expect to see over 100 carries and red zone work, all day Adrian Peterson. Maybe he's going to the Jets. Maybe he ruins that backfield even more. He was recently released by the Washington football team, and he still wants to play. He's reportedly got three offers on the table that he's deciding between. Where do you see AP landing, and how much of a baller is Antonio Gibson? Man, we went over it. New England and Buffalo Bills are both options for AP because of the fact that they are interested in Leonard Fournette. I, he's not the same talent at all, but 
They both need a solid running back that's able to pick up a system, and AP has been around the league, so he can probably do that. With yeah, Fair enough. Okay. Wanted to make sure. I'm not going crazy. That kind of sounded like fair oh, no, landing no. spots. Reason, very reasonable, and Bill Belichick does love Adrian Peterson. So, And then Antonio Gibson, I love the player. I'm not assuming he's going to be the big guy that is taking over all of the work. I still think that... Unfortunately, Barber's going to be in that backfield, probably leading it to start until Bryce Lowe takes over. But it's going to be, again, the Chris Thompson-Adrian Peterson show. So it's going to be that same kind of balance between Gibson getting a lot of the carries for passing down and then Bryce doing first and second and pushing it in at the goal line. And I actually think that because of how thin their wide receivers are, Gibson gets to play there more. So it's a similar situation to what Bell would normally be doing in the Jets. So I think they're both going to end up lining up more as a wide receiver than actual running backs. No. Now that Adrian Peterson's gone, it is Antonio Gibson's job. You're like, what, what is this love of Peyton Barber? Like, what, what, what? He's the most average running back in NFL history. Well, actually, I'm, no. I'm not loving him. I'm loving love. But so, <laughs> it takes time. So you're, you're trying to sell me Peyton Barber and Bryce Love. Yes, Bryce Love was fantastic once upon a time. We'll see post-knee knee surgery, multiple of them. I am excited about that. But in the meantime, we have Antonio Gibson. So he was a slot receiver at Memphis. 19 yards per catch. 19 yards per catch, Jason. That's absolutely incredible. And then he had 33 carries. Yes, he was very limited. But he 11.2 yards per carry. He's a phenomenal athlete, phenomenal football player. He just gets the job done. Washington has realized that they're going to feed him so much upside in this backfield. Absolutely love Antonio Gibson. I'm so glad I've been drafting him all off season. Yeah. And that's why I'm hedging on him. It's just because of the fact that as much as I love to see that happen, (laughs) I just, I'm worried. Hedging because you're boring. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go with that. Another player that I'm drafting a lot of Deandre Swift is back at practice on a limited basis. So carry on Johnson is expected to get the week one start, but we can't overreact to that. It won't be a surprise when it happens, but Swift is going to dominate and he's going to be the starter sooner than later. Yeah. Still not a fan of that backfield. I of course, because really, you're boring. No, I just really love the rest fun. of the offense. They have a bunch of great pass catchers. And so I'm really high on Kenny G. That's part of the reason for sure. Give him, give him all. Give Give me a stack with Kenny G. Give me DeAndre Swift. Give me Matthew Stafford. And give me Marvin Jones. You can get all of them on over on Underdog in a stack. Absolutely love it. Ugh. Later round running back, Darrell, Will- Darrell Williams is going to be the backup to CEH, not DeAndre Washington. So that's pretty scary. Reportedly, the third back working in is with the first team has been Darwin Thompson. But all I'm hearing, so yeah, obviously I am worried about DeAndre Washington. He's off my board. But this really has me worried about CEH because what I'm hearing is three running backs are operating with the first team. Classic Andy Reid. Who would have thought this? I, I think that was kind of us, right? Didn't, didn't we kind of think that this was going to happen? I thought we were, had Washington over Thompson. I'm surprised that's even kind of an issue, but maybe it's just an injury or something that we haven't heard or he's not picking up the offense well, which is also super surprising because, man, he is a talented player. But Yeah, but either way, it goes back to the overarching point that CEH is not the guy you're wasting a top seven pick on him right now. You're hoping, you know, more often than not, it's 106. If he's going past that, people are getting their minds 
Ah, it's so, so gross. So gross. Anyways, a player I am excited about. Keep an eye on Jamichael Hasty, UDFA. He's looking to push Jeff Wilson off the roster in San Francisco. I was hyping him on the podcast last week. Be sure you go back and listen to that. And our final news on the running backs, Benny Snell looks to have beat Anthony McFarland for the RB2 and is pushing for RB1. James Conner, get out. Yeah, maybe next year. I think Connor keeps his job for this year unless he gets hurt and Snell will slot right in. But I am just so surprised that McFarland is not the second RB. I really thought he would be the one to just destroy Snell, but who knows? I thought so too. I thought so too, but here we am. Anyway, speaking of injuries, because James Connor is absolutely going to be injured, Jalen Rager has a small tear in his labrum, which is in his shoulder. So he's going to miss about four weeks, maybe less maybe three, maybe more. It's not a situation that I'm enjoying. And I was all in on Rager earlier this season. You have to off season. You have to remember that. So in the meantime, though, Philadelphia has games against the team, the Rams and the Bengals. So look for Deshaun Jackson to absolutely pop off when he's healthy. I know you were big into Deshaun Jackson last year, 35 points in the only game he was actually played the whole thing for really excited about him. Also keep an eye on rookie John Hightower. Yeah, I mean, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a great option through those weeks. And then I'm so worried about Rager because at that same point, I think that Jeffrey could actually be back by then. I'm just really hoping that they're able to find something and use their backs. Everybody gets healthy because, man, this team is just so short on targets. I guess if you're really looking at somebody, you would want to go with Greg Ward as a slot guy, potentially. JJ Arcega Whiteside, which I'm also not a huge fan of, but yeah, it's a mess. It's an absolute ugly pick. mess. It's also a mess in Cincinnati where AJ Green is still limited to individual drills and practice. He's not actually practicing with the team. Yeah, that's pretty scary given his injury history. Yeah. And I think that at this point, you have to move Boyd up in your board as well. You have to. You have to. I mean, he's the one who's getting the most work with Burrow with AJ Green sideline. And Oh, as much as I hate to say this, on Tate is probably the other guy as a wide receiver. Otherwise, it has to be Uzama here. Like, I love it. Um, tight ends always seem to be targeted by rookie QBs, and I think this will be a great time for those two to have a connection. Absolutely. And so we have a couple other injuries across the league at receiver. Devontae Parker has a minor injury. We're not getting a timeline on that. Tyrell Williams was placed on IR. And Amari Cooper was limited in four practices. So all this means is important nonsense favorites. Michael Gallup, up. Preston Williams, up. And Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs, up. How do you feel about all those players, Jason? And C.D. Lamb, up. Let's go. (laughs) Oh, wait, wait, wait. Blake Jarwin, too. Money, let's go. I'm so pumped. Fair, fair. Yeah, lots of exciting receivers across the league. It is unfortunate with these injuries. However, young and upcoming players are so exciting. And speaking of young and upcoming players, Paris Campbell was placed in concussion protocol after a nasty-looking car accident. Thankfully, he suffered no real injuries other than the concussion. And he returned to practice. He's out of the concussion protocol. So I know a lot of people believe that Naheem Hines is going to be the main recipient of all those Austin Eckler targets on the short and intermediate routes. I think we could be looking at a lot of that same work from Paris Campbell. He is so explosive. That's how Ohio State used him all the time. He was more of a running back receiver hybrid. So watch him on those dump off pop passes. I am so excited about Paris Campbell. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see just because it is going to be Philip Rivers behind center. And man, I'm again, I think it's going to be the short area targets that he's looking at. So I'm really loving Jack Doyle, but Hines is definitely the dump guy. And I wish Campbell had been there more throughout the preseason and 
well, I guess it's just any kind of training camp. So Rivers could kind of build more of a connection. So it will definitely be interesting to see. And their matchup week one is pretty juicy. So just something to keep an eye on. Against the depleted Jaguars defense. Something that's very interesting, though, is the wide receiver room in San Francisco. So Debo Samuel is still trying to battle back from his foot injury. Brandon Ayuk is still out with a hamstring. Jalen Hurd is out with the ACL. Tavon Austin on IR. JJ Nelson on IR. Fullback Kyle Juszczyk, he's week to week with a hamstring. So now we've got Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis, and special teamer Richie James. He missed all summer than a wrist, but now he's back. So those are our four starting receivers week one. Pretty scary, but that means fire up George Kittle in week one for DFS. He gets the overpaid Buda Baker. We've already seen George eat his soul. And now they, so yeah, they signed, they drafted Isaiah Simmons, 6'4", 238 pound linebacker with nine padded practices before George Kittle just dominates him. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, I have just been so high on Bourne. It's been crazy just because he is a consistent guy. And because of the fact that they're playing Arizona, each time they've played, he's had over 30 yards or a touchdown, which and that was with a full team. So just kind of keep that in mind. I really love him. I think he's, of course, most consistent because he's been healthy, not having to have any worries there. And Jimmy Garoppolo knows him. I mean, that's kind of what you're looking at. And unfortunately, that's all you have in San Francisco. Yeah, so bottom line, George Kittle to the moon in week one DFS. Some wide receiver, some wide receiver three battles across the league. Scotty Miller has apparently earned a role according to Tom Brady, but the team is also still hyping up Justin Watson. Van Jefferson expected to be that wide receiver three for the Rams. Apparently he's beaten Josh Reynolds. Also, KJ Hamler could start the year on IR, which means Tim Patrick gets that wide receiver three role. And the Seahawks signed Josh Gordon and Paul Richardson at receiver. They're going to be competing with Philip Dorsett. But all this really means is none of it's really fantasy relevant. I'm not too worried about any of these guys. So we're going to move on to the Adam Gase New York Roundup. Denzel Mims has finally made his practice debut after straining his hamstring on the first day of camp. Meanwhile, Brashad Perriman has missed over a week with knee swelling. This led to the Jets to sign Dante Moncrief. Also have Chris Hogan. Absolute mess. Those two are not NFL players at this point in their career. Denzel Mims has real opportunity in the future. But in the meantime, week one, Chris Herndon is going to pop off. Jamison Crowder is going to pop off. Yeah, I love Herndon here. I think it's a great choice. And like I said earlier, I think Bell is going to line up as a wide receiver because I don't know who the heck they're going to pass to. So I'm not surprised here. Gore will end up probably being in the backfield with Bell, Herndon, Crowder all lining up as wide receivers and hoping for the best. Yeah, it is an absolute mess in New York, unfortunately. We're going to move on to tight ends and wrap things up. Ian Thomas is out with a toe injury and should return soon, so you hate to see it for the young breakout candidate. On the opposite end of the spectrum, Robert Tanyan will reportedly be the Packers' starting tight end. Pour one out for Jay Sternberger, although I do think he could take over the starter down the road. Robert Tanyan's been working out with Kittle and TJ Hawkinson all offseason, so that's one to keep an eye on. Trey Burton will miss at least two weeks with a calf injury, and as a soon-to-be 29-year-old tight end with a calf injury, Injury, that kind of scares me. I wasn't really into Burton to begin with. So what does that mean for the Colts, Jason? I already said it, man. You need to fire up Jack Doyle and let's go. I'm so pumped for this player, and I think week one is going to be huge for him. No disagreements there. He knows the system. Philip Rivers loves his tight ends. He has, as you keep hammering, the first time he didn't have a 1,000-yard tight end was last season when Hunter Henry missed pretty much the entire season. And finally, Devin Asiasi is dealing with an ankle injury. So Dalton Keene was eating up the first team reps since. 
Asiasi has returned now, and it looks like it is his job. So keep an eye on in that because Cam Newton and Greg Olson had that fire connection for a long time. So what a time to be a football fan. You can keep up with all the relevant news over at importantnonsense.com. We give news around the league with a uh, different writer for every division. We give updates every day. And speaking of the website, it's time to hear from co ah, from site co-head at nonsense underscore Steve, Mr. Steve Bonham. Support for the Important Nonsense podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Hey guys, it's Steve. It's summertime. The temperature is turning up out there, and you know when the heat is turned up, your undercarriage needs to be cleaned up. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer the Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Now when I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. Take your time. You don't want any accidents down there. And the water-resistant technology allows you to even groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates your grooming area for a closer, more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand, people. You want to show off that mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. Look, if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Just head over to manscaped.com and use promo code NONSENSE. That's N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. One more time, that code is NONSENSE at manscaped.com to get your 20% off and free shipping today. All right, thank you for that, Steve. And we are back with Jason's Question Corner, the most terrifying time of the show every week. Jason, take it away. Yeah, I mean, thank God for Fantasy Life app because they just, the whole team there is awesome. I really love the app. I love all the people. So we're going to start with some of the questions from the guys. Uh, Thank me yesterday asked, what's your management strategy if your league only has one designated IR spot, even with COVID-19 as a threat? And I think this is a great question. So I'd really like to hear what you think on this one. It is a really good question. So first of all, I think that's the wrong way to handle it. I think you do need at least two IR spots in this COVID season. However, he, he's clearly stated that's not the case. He has appealed unsuccessfully to his commissioner. So yeah, it's tough. So the first and for, foremost, if you have a stud, and he gets hurt, he's going on IR, you pick up his replacement. The next thing you do is, if say you have a guy that might miss the late game, you're not sure about him and he's a last-minute decision, once he gets declared out, you move him to the IR, and then you pick up his replacement. And otherwise, you're just using it to churn the roster. So yeah, if you have a player that ends up missing time on the COVID IR list, you place him on that. But for the most part, yeah, you can just use it to churn the roster. Yeah, and I'm kind of thinking of it as... If it's a stud, that's who you're going to put in that IR spot. If it's just somebody that you're okay, not is just a depth piece, I'm okay dropping them. 
for that period of time because more than likely it's going to be three weeks and that's just not something I want to deal with. So if it's somebody you really like and want to pick them up, drop them, pick them up in two weeks. Or if there's nobody else available, just let them sit there. I mean, I don't understand what the big issue is, but if it's a stud, I completely agree. Use that IR spot. So moving on to the next question, Fred Ward, Fred Word the third. Wow, that was tough. Asked, how do we rank Shark, Scary Terry, and Lockett? And why do we have them ranked that way? So... All summer, I have had Scary Terry in the number one slot in this group ahead of DJ Chark. However, now that they've cut Fournette, they're definitely going to be passing the ball more. It's going to be a rotation at running back, which means Chark is going to eat even slightly more than Duke McLaurin, who he now he has Antonio Gibson competing with him in the backfield. Steven Sims dominating underneath, rather than Adrian Peterson, who is not a pass catcher. So Chark has moved slightly ahead of McLaurin. There's still the wide receiver 13 and 14, so I know you must be happy about that, Jason. Oh, yeah, I absolutely love it. That's a great spot for both of them. So where do you have Lockett then? Like, is he close or what? Oh, I'm so down on Lockett. You know, the difference between him and those two is those two are going to be the guaranteed target, number one target on their team, whereas he might have to share volume with Metcalf. So I'm way down on him. I have all the way down at wide receiver 16. I'm kidding. He's only two spots lower. Cooper Cup's in between. These are all fantastic receivers. Yeah, and I think I actually have Lockett as my the highest receiver of those just because of the fact that he is so efficient and with Wilson's skill and efficiency last year, he missed two games. Granted they counted it for him, but it ended up being uh, two really big games for him and they counted him as active, which hurt his overall. Otherwise I think he would have been around the same numbers that I see shark and McLaurin having. And he actually catches the ball more than both of them just based on that and his maturity. I think that he is actually the one I then, of course, have Shark and then Terry base pretty much right in line with you. I just have Lockett in front of them both. So, you know what? Fair enough. It, and if they ever do let Tyler Lock or if they ever let Russ cook, Tyler Lockett's going to be amazing. DK Metcalf is also going to be amazing. Stop All it. great receivers. <laughs> Russ Cook, stop that nonsense right now. They're never going to do that. It's Pete Carroll. Sorry, I had to do it. But okay, next question Clogging Toilets ask. What trade value does Fournette have right now with Rojo being Arian's guy? Well, so we covered this earlier, and Bruce Arians lies. It's Leonard Fournette's job. He is the guy. And as for value, it's like, I don't love these questions because, like, I don't know what your league format is. I don't know what your roster is like. So the point of a trade is you're trying to make your roster better, and ideally it's going to be mutually beneficial. You're not trying to rip someone off. So I, I don't really love these types of questions. I don't know unless I'm in your league and can see what your settings are in your format. But yeah, it's Fournette's job. Don't get out of here with it, Ronald Jones. I mean, I still think he has value. So it's just one of those things that if you're wanting to move Rojo, I'm looking at a wide receiver 3-4 in that kind of an area and just hoping to have depth on my roster. I mean, you could probably end up switching him for Preston Williams pretty easily, and he's actually the one. So it's just one of those things, depending on how people value him. That well, I'm down. Really- I'm down for that. The question was, what what are we doing with Fournette? Because he believes in Ronald Jones. Like, get out of here with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we're not trading away Fournette. So if with that in mind, you try and trade Rojo for those higher players. I mean, that's why I think you can really get that wide receiver three four for him. I'm in on that. So you really kind of try and snake him there and hope that that ends up being what Arians does. But just what I'm thinking, hoping that this helps a little bit. 
So Typhus asked for our thoughts on the re-signing of Josh Gordon. How long we is his sp- suspension, and what is it going to look like in general for the whole Seattle wideout situation? So I don't know how long the suspension is going to be because the NFL has recently changed their drug testing policies and suspension. So I don't know what the answer to that question is, but I do know that it's going to look exactly like it did last year when Gordon was in the offense where he got less than 10% of the targets. It's a depth signing. He's going to rotate with Philip Dorsett. It's really not going to be that fantasy relevant, but I am very excited to see him get another chance in the NFL. Josh Gordon Uh, so he is very open addiction is a disease and mental illness is a daily battle and to see gordon face his demons head on get back into the league it's truly inspiring and it's a story that we should all be rooting for even if it's not going to necessarily be that impactful in the fantasy community it's still a great story to see i am very happy and very excited for josh gordon yeah and you can't like this is one of those guys that you just absolutely love and hate the fact that all this happened to him but again you can't really expect him to be one of those high value targets for that. You can just sign and hope for the best. I could maybe do best ball cause he might have one big game, but even then I'm not looking at him to put on my roster. Completely agree. But in terms of real life and storyline, absolutely phenomenal. I am so excited for him. All right. So big Pete 69 <laughs> asked, what do you make of the Rams pass catcher situation? Because he is hearing the conflicting reports on Van Jefferson saying he may fill the Cooks role, but also hearing that Goff really likes Higby. Will we see the Higby from the end of last season? What are you thinking here? Well, so, yeah, Van Jefferson is apparently going to fill the Brandon Cooks role, but the Brandon Cooks role isn't something that I want in that Rams offense anymore because that offensive line is still terrible. Jared Goff is still running scared, and so he's throwing all these dump-offs. And so that means, yeah, Tyler Higby is going to be very good this season, but he's not going to be the Tyler Higby we saw for the last end of last season because that would be, make him the best tight end ever. So, no, he's not the best tight end in NFL history, but he can be that consistent top 10 option could be top flirt with top five but yeah so the way the rams offense is going to work we're going to have van jefferson running all those clear outs and not getting targets because jared goff is afraid to pull the trigger deep it's going to be woods it's going to be cup it's going to be higby eating underneath but yeah the real answer is robert woods higby is fine he's still just going a little bit too high for my liking yeah and i agree with that unless i did see somebody saying that people were interested in trading for gerald everett and if that's the case Higby's value goes way up because that would just mean a huge opportunity for him. Yeah, but the Rams have apparently been like steadfast. No, it'll be interesting to see what what their price is. Obviously, everyone has a price, but I don't know. It sounds like they really want Gerald Everett for this year, at least. Yeah, especially with COVID, it's not something that I can really see happening. But again, it's just one of those things that I want to touch on. Make sure people know it's a potential possibility, even if it is out of this world. So, next question we have is uh matapaka asked what value does ronald jones still hold on the bucks and could rojo possibly get traded to an nfl team i like this question a lot better than the last question because yes ronald ronald jones so he's not getting traded to another nfl team more than likely no one's going to give up a a pick for him he was a second round pick so he he doesn't have a really expensive contract but it's expensive enough that it's not worth giving up a pick for him at this point especially because we haven't seen enough that he's flashed so in the meantime looks unlikely but you're gonna just have to hold him like he doesn't have any value in terms of you trading him off of your roster 
and there's no value in trading for him because it's too much of a risk. So it, it, you, what you want is you want in a season like this where everything is so weird, just hold him and hope his value spikes. Unless someone's willing to give you a bunch right now, I, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, and I already touched on who I think you should try and trade him for if you can. But again, no NFL team is going to touch him. I completely agree on that. So we'll just go to the next question from Ben Domain asked if you have Swift on your team and carry on Johnson is available. Would you draw Swift and pick up Johnson? What? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Qu- part- this is the worst question. So willing to drop Swift for carry on. You, you don't deserve to have DeAndre Swift on your roster. You, you just don't. So carry on Johnson, 3.6 yards per carry last season. Yeah, that's usually the offensive line's fault. Except when we look at his teammates, Bo Scarrow, Scarborough, 4.2 yards per carry. That's more than 3.6. Ty Johnson, 4.3. That's more than 3.6. JD McKissick, 5.4. So carry on Johnson was terrible last year, and it wasn't his offensive line's fault. You're willing to drop the next Alvin Kamara. That's what DeAndre Swift is. Yes, I'm saying that. Or De- carry on Johnson, who is the only running back in NFL history that's wearing an offensive lineman's knee brace. Right? So, and he apparently he's healthy. He's got this massive knee brace on when he's healthy. So you want to get rid of the next Alvin Kamara for running back who has one 20-point game in his fantasy career, hasn't been relevant in many other games, if any, throughout his career. I'd, I'd no, no, don't do that. But you also don't deserve Swift for asking this. I'm mad. I'm sorry. I understand. So it's just one of those things that that's why we're here. We're here to help the people. That's why we love taking these questions each week. And that's why I'm doing this is because some people don't realize what they're trying to give up. So if you can pick up Johnson for not Swift, you can drop another piece on your team to have him as a potential nope, backup. Nope, nope, don't do at it. Least don't for, do at it. least for week one. That's the only reason I'm saying this, at least for week one, since Swift is having some issues. It's just one of those things that it would be good to have. So it's okay. Just take a breath. Absolutely not. Uh, So don't don't drop DeAndre Swift and don't pick up on Johnson. Those are two just moves you should not make. It will help your fantasy team in the long run. Just... Uh, and and you are right. Is it is important? We are supposed to be helping people. However, that question made me very angry because I am a DeAndre Swift mega fan. I need a break. Terrible question, Steve. Take it away while I have a meltdown off air. And we're back. Steve has allowed me to calm down. Thank you so much for that, Steve. I I, I get passionate about DeAndre Swift. He's a really talented running back. I get also get passionate about Jonathan Taylor, but DeAndre Swift is my draft crush of this year. Jason talked me out of my rage. So now we're back and we're going to have a nice and relaxing conversation about the QBs. So there's two elite QBs, according to the fantasy community. You can dispute Lamar versus Mahomes, but for the most part, it's 1A and 1B. Jason, who do you have ranked higher? And is there any QB that even competes with those two, or is it just them in their own tier? Of the two, I'm probably taking Mahomes first. I know, not the best decision because Lamar has a great rushing floor, but I think Mahomes is actually the better passer. He has more talent. I hate that he's so efficient because it'd be nice to have him throwing more. But, again, it's fine. But when we look at other QBs, I mean, I could see maybe Dak being up there. He has a lot of weapons and a bad defense. Always is a good thing for me. I love when uh, quarterbacks have great weapons and horrible defenses because that means they're going to have to throw a lot and have to be part of a generalized scheme that, oh, we're behind. I have to continue to throw the ball, even if you're surrounded by the talents that Dak is. I mean, 
again, on the same kind of page, I really like Deshaun Watson for this. He just lost Hopkins to Arizona, but they added Cooks. And they also added Randall Cobb and David Johnson. That's a lot of weapons for that team. And I think that he's one of those players that you could really see move up this year because of the fact that he has to spread the ball around more. It's going to be harder to just have a single wide receiver one like they used to cover in Hopkins. That's not a bad thing necessarily either, to your point. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, great being optimal here, I guess, because of the fact that, of course, it's always... Of course, your your team's better when you have DeAndre Hopkins on it. Let's not kid ourselves, but they didn't replace one-for-one DeAndre Hopkins with Randall Cobb. They also added Brandon Cooks. They also have Will Fuller. They also have Kenny Stills, and they also have Kenny Kikikuti, and then they drafted the rookie Isaiah Coulter, although he's kind of banged up right now. But they've added all these talents around Deshaun Watson rather than having DeAndre Hopkins. And I don't even know who some of their other wide receiver twos have been throughout the league. And even then, surprisingly, right now, all of them are healthy. Like, that's a big thing. (laughs) They're all, and so, like, yeah, I I understand it. There there is the narrative. Let's fade Deshaun Watson because all of his weapons are injury prone. Okay. I, I, I understand your point. But what if they're healthy? Yeah, that, that team becomes significantly more scary. And especially since week one, they're going against the Chiefs. Holy cow, this game's going to be a massive one, and I am pumped for it. Yeah, like what if David Johnson's not washed? What if Brandon Cooks isn't injury prone? What if Will Fuller, okay, maybe not him. Maybe he, <laughs> maybe what if he's healthy for enough. And, and like, what if like Randall Cobb has 19 million guaranteed? Like, they're committed to these guys. I, I don't know. I really do believe in Deshaun Watson. I am excited about him. And we've seen him be a QB one before he was QB one in his short span as a rookie. And I don't, I don't know. I can absolutely see it. We also have Dak. And he, like you've said, he has phenomenal weapons all around him. So I don't have them on the same level as Lamar and Mahomes, but I don't have them that far behind. It's like, I don't want to put them in, in a separate tier from them, but I don't want to put them in the same tier. It's almost like a one, a one B tier. And again, talking about bad defenses and great offenses, it's part of the reason I like Matt Ryan too, because he has Hulu, he has Ridley, he has Hayden Hurst, and they added Todd Gurley. Like, again, these are all great weapons for a veteran quarterback on a, with a poor defense. Like, they might have improved a little bit, but even then, it's Matt Ryan, and he is just such a great passer. Poor defense in the in the NFC South too. So he's competing against Tom Brady. He's competing against Teddy Bridgewater. So, and he's competing against Drew Brees. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of shootout opportunity. I do like Matt Ryan. I noticed that you didn't mention Kyler Murray ahead of Matt Ryan. That's interesting. A lot of people would dispute you with that, Jason. Yeah, and again, I just I love the kid, but that's just it. He still is a kid. He is developing. He's I don't I think he does have a step up. But they added Hopkins, another great weapon for him. They're trying to help him out. I just, I really want to see it first. And until that happens, I just, I can't put him in that tier. I don't trust him enough. And at his price, I'm, it's just not a player I'm able to pull. I, I don't see him being that effective. I think, I think he could easily be a top 12 QB. It's just, if he's actually there, it will be iffy for me. But as I said, a lot of people would dispute you on that. I am not one of them. So I, I, I do go back and forth between Matt Ryan and 
with Kyler Murray a little bit. Sometimes I do have him ranked higher, but that that's exactly the problem is people are already taking Kyler Murray ahead of Deshaun Watson, ahead of Dak Prescott, and ahead of my the top, top QB in my second tier, which is Russell Wilson. He does not belong ahead of any of those guys. And I really do believe your argument that Matt Ryan should be taken ahead of him. So let's, we're going to go into tier, tier two now. Russell Wilson kicks it off. And I do want to put him in tier one just as because he is a QB two or three at worst in real life. However, Pete won't let him cook. Yeah, I, I told you, man. It's just one of those things. I absolutely love Russell Wilson. He's an excellent player. If he was able to throw as many as any of those other QBs, he would easily be in that tier and ahead of most of them. Like I would not be surprised if he was up there with Mahomes because he is just so talented. Let Russ cook. But anyways, that's a, I agree with you. That's the reason I can't put him in tier one. And not, so he's more tier one B than a true tier two. Then after that, we do have Matt Ryan. And then we have Kyler Murray. I have him just ahead of Tom Brady, who I'm also a big fan of. And I don't dispute you putting Tom Brady ahead of Kyler Murray because once again, Oh, sir, not a bad defense with the Buccaneers. They did have the number one run defense last year, but that they were got exposed in the passing game. However, should improve, not a guarantee. So yeah, shootouts in that NFC South. Tom Brady's very exciting and realistically could score more fantasy points than Kyler Murray. Do you disagree with me there? Oh no, I absolutely love Tom Brady. Again, you're saying a great defense here. Like, you see, you're they're improving, but the offense he just has so many weapons, and they just added Leonard Fournette. Are you joking me? So he has Evans, he has Godwin's, he has oh Jay Howard. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry, had to choke that one down, but he has Cameron Brick, and he's back with Gronk. Like it's blowing me away that he isn't getting more respect here and should be higher if they let him throw as much as he's capable. Absolutely. And this just speaks to how deep the quarterback position is. And so while they're, and yeah, exactly. While their defense is improving, their secondary is still extremely long, extremely young and could be easily exposed. So I don't think you're crazy for putting him ahead of Kyler Murray, which just speaks to how deep this is and how deep the tier, second tier is and why you shouldn't be reaching for Kyler Murray in the first place. Now I have a really interesting one. I have three quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, Cam Newton, and Kyler Murray. How do you rank those three? It's, I mean, golly, I think, hmm, again, it, the issue I have with Carson Wentz is if he, he has weapons and is healthy, that is a completely different quarterback. But because of that and the fact that Cam Newton has just such a solid defense, it makes me struggle to put hmm, them ahead of Murray just because Wentz, I would love, I would absolutely love if all of his offensive weapons were healthy, if he had Alshon Jeffrey, if he had Deshaun Watson, if he had Ertz on a solid contract, Goddard, I mean, Sanders, Scott, all of these great weapons, I would be pumped for him because their pass defense is also atrocious. So I'd move him up, but I can't do it. It has to be Murray first, then Wentz, then Newton, just because of defenses. And then you're missing the most important one with another horrible defense and a great offense. And that's Matthew Stafford. I mean, there it is. yeah, let's talk about some straight money. Kenny G, Marvin Jones, TJ Hawkinson. It's DeAndre Swift. Stop that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want to <laughs> But again, he's another poor defense, a great offense. He's going to have to throw. And if he can stay healthy and it, he's just incredible. How if, amazing of a quarterback as he 
is a capable of being, he could easily be top eight in my opinion. But we'll get a little further back. It should go Stafford, Murray, Wentz, Newton. Okay, we're there. And once again, just the deepest position in football. So once we've been through two tiers now. To recap them quickly, we have the obvious top two in Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Then we have rounding out the rest of the tier, we have Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson. Moving into the second tier, we have five through 11, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, Cam Newton, and Matthew Stafford. And really, outside of Russ, I'm fine with you mixing up those guys however you want. I think Russ has to stay at the top. But I'm really fine mixing them up. And that gives us 11 starting quarterbacks. And we're not, like, there's so much talent left. We're moving on to Tier 3. And the thing with Tier 3 is it just, Daniel Jones, QB 12. I'm not saying I'm 100% certain that he's going to be QB 12. I'm also 0% surprised if he's going to be quarterback 12. I can say the same thing about Josh Allen. I can say the same thing about Teddy Bridgewater. But so much talent in the later rounds at quarterback, all these guys could easily finish as a top 12 quarterback. Yeah, I absolutely agree with this. I mean, I love Daniel Jones, but I really hate the beginning of his year. That's the only thing that keeps me down on him is his first few games are just brutal. Against the Steelers week one with a rookie left tackle. Ugh. I am not a fan. It uh, They're just going to tear him apart, and that makes me so nervous. It's, again, he, I think he's able to rush. Huge plus side. Weapons galore. You're looking at a healthy Evan Ingram. <laughs> Darius wow. Slayton. Shepard. Like, all of these uh, golden hate. It's just, he has so many great weapons. Saquon Barkley. But it, realistically, <laughs> it could be a shootout game too. But Ben Roethlisberger could, in theory, he could be healthy, and it could be an absolute shootout between the Giants and Steelers Week One. Yeah, but that defense is just so terrifying since Minka came on it, and they just were able to trash people. If that defense is healthy, I am nervous for Dan Jones. So, who would you rather start Week One, Daniel Jones or Josh Allen? Mm, can I do neither? <laughs> you can, but Allen is. Playing the Jets, so I am actually pretty in on Josh Allen. And Josh I get Allen. that, but at the same point, they just added a new running back that is better than Frank Gore, and that makes me nervous for Allen. <laughs> uh, he does rely heavily on those rushing TDs, but anyways, just to get back to how deep this tier is, we have Danny Dimes, we have Josh Allen, Teddy Bridgewater, who I absolutely love. We get back to those terrible defenses in the NFC South, shootout games galore. Also, Ryan Tannehill, one of the most efficient quarterbacks we've ever seen last year in his brief stint. He balled out. Jared Goff, he balls out as well. However, he throws a lot of interceptions, but he still gets you those fantasy points because he's always putting himself in those holes with those pick sixes. And then we also have like, superstars Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees like they've been so good and so consistent forever that brings us to 18 guys and I I'm also comfortable starting another player all season long my 19th quarterback drum roll please Gardner Minshew so with Leonard Fournette going out of the out of the team they've got rid of him I really do believe that Gardner Minshew is going to lead the team in rushing this season. We saw Miami Dolphins do it last season with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They just churn the running back position so much. Gardner Minshew is going to ball this season, and it's just the exact reason you shouldn't overpay at quarterback. There's so many, so much value to be had in this section of the draft. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I don't understand why people always feel the need to take quarterbacks so early. I don't like your ordering of them all because, you know, it's just how I am. 
I I'm a huge fan of Gardner Minshew, and I can see him being the leading rusher after Chris Thompson goes down. But <laughs> with that in mind, I mean that's a huge bump up for him, and he is, has decent weapons. I mean he has Shark. They have Eifert. Surprisingly, O'Shaughnessy's healthy, who he seemed to have a great connection with last year. Didi's still there, and their awesome weapon, LaVisca Chenault. Like, this is such a great offense. I'm pumped for him. I wish he would have had Fournette still to throw to, but it's fine. He'll have Thompson for a little bit and then become the rushing leader. It'll be all good. Honestly, um, Fournette might, like, Fournette leaving, yeah, he, it would be nice to have him on those dump-off passes, but now he's going to have to throw it downfield more. That's even better, though. Yeah, if he can stay upright, that's the only issue. I'm hoping that Thompson's able to protect well because it, Gruden, he understands Gruden, so he should be able to do that kind of a job. I'm just more worried about anybody else they put back to try and help stop any oncoming edge rushers against Minshew. He has to be able to scramble. He has to be able to save his hide that way. Uh, I'm loving Drew Brees, especially for week one. The matchup is pretty juicy. And I Shoot can, out first and luck, absolutely. And I cannot get in on Aaron Rodgers. I wish I could. I'm sure he's going to have a couple of great games, but he is at the bottom of my list. I'm not going to be trusting that. But again, I love Jared Goff. I think that's a great tier. I think he's, that's the right area. He's towards the top of this. Teddy Bridgewater, of course. I love him too. Definitely because he's free. That's a huge plus for me. But uh, Ryan Tannehill, I'm a little more iffy on. Again, decent defense. And they have Derrick Henry, who they like to run the ball. And if you give him to the ball 21 times, the 22nd time, he's going to be the one that really ends up pounding you through. So I just, I also see battle narrative. Yep, yep, yep. But, you know, he, again, he, was super efficient last year, so that's something you have to take into account and assuming your aggress is a little bit on. All right, so what I, I've heard, we have to remove Rodgers. You're finally leaving Tannehill in the tier, but you have him at the back end. However, that's 18 quarterbacks that I am comfortable starting in my for my entire season. So, like, it's just such a deep position. 19 quarterbacks, 19 QB1s. Ridiculous, ridiculous depth. Don't overpay for a quarterback. We're going to keep hammering that home. And then, like, look at the quarterbacks we missed. We have Jimmy Gorgeous, reliable as he is handsome. Big Ben, complete wild card. He could be QB1 overall. He led the league in passing at yards two years ago. Could very well happen again if he's healthy. Could belong in the Newton and Stafford tier. We, then we've got the Young Bucks. We've got Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow, Drew Locke. Oh, yeah. Really, like, there is just so much talent. I can't stress that enough. Yeah, and funny, just had some breaking news on some not important information with uh, Josh Roshan being cut by the Dolphins. Oh, you hate they, to see it. Yeah, they couldn't get anything for him, so he's gone. So it looks like Tua is definitely stepping in there, and it's going to be another rookie quarterback you could look at. Josh Rosen has just, oh, he's got the worst start to his NFL career. He gets the, gets the Cardinals, worst offensive line in NFL history over the last 10, not NFL history, last 10 years though. And then he gets cut, replaced by, or not cut, traded, replaced by Kyler Murray. And then the exact same thing happens. He goes to an even worse offensive line somehow. They don't believe in him. They don't build around him. And now he's just getting shipped out. Uh, oh, I feel so bad for this guy. And I'm mad yeah. again. You get, re- you get replaced by Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then they draft Tua. So that looks like a great 
option for you. Sorry, Rosen. That's just un- just unfortunate for you, man. I, it's horrible. So to be clear, we're not including Josh Rosen in this tier with Ben Roethlisberger. However, he would be a perfect backup for Ben Roethlisberger. Let him learn underneath him instead of Mason, the interception throwing reindeer. I would much prefer that. Yeah, and I mean, okay, we're going. I'm going kind of get into it because we're a week away. So people I really like for week one include Jimmy Gorgeous and Derek Carr. Yes. Ah, okay. Because he said Jimmy G. I, I'll, I'll I'll let you talk. Yeah, so I mean, those are great options for me because of the fact that Jamie G is going against uh, the Cardinals. Great matchup. Like his options, he's going to have to throw because oh wait, he has Kittle in a bunch of garbage. <laughs> but Kendrick Bourne and he's seems to be effective enough. They're going to make him throw because it's Cardinals. Derek Carr has a great matchup. He has a ton of weapons. It's surprising i'm just hoping he can put it all together and they should just it's a nice easy matchup for him just something to look forward to next week i'm super excited for football and let's hope this really happens because i am so pumped for it It it's such an exciting time and you know i would have cut you off if you had only said Derek carr but because you led with jimmy gorgeous and i am an absolute sucker for jimmy g we are going to let i did let you finish your point so there you have it. We have 19 quarterbacks to start for the entire season. And then we have two week one starters in Jimmy G and Derek Carr. Such a deep position. Quarterback is just ridiculously deep. I don't think we've ever had a, a year this deep at quarterback. It is truly exciting. So you really don't need to reach on those guys like Mahomes and Lamar hammering that home once again. Yeah. And on that sure. same point, again, last year, 36 quarterbacks had top 12 weeks. That's just mind-blowing to me yeah there's 32 teams in the nfl just as a reminder so anyways tune in next week we will bring you jason's trust or bust at qb and let you know who to start i'm assuming both of these guys will be on the list maybe you'll bring in someone else and we're definitely gonna have some busts because there are some tough matchups in week one That'll be all from us here at the Important Nonsense Podcast. Be sure to follow us over at importantnonsense.com for daily news and articles. And be sure to check us out over at NonsenseFF on all of the socials. Jason, do you have any parting words for your adoring fans? Nah, man. I'm just ready to watch some awesome hard knocks. I'm loving the Chargers and Rams. It just makes me so happy and ready for football. Let's go. Wise words from Jason Draven. It has been tolerable as always. Thank you for tuning in. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and review. And if you didn't enjoy it, blame it on Jason. I like to blame all of my problems on Jason because it couldn't possibly be my fault. Anyways, I've been your host, Jack Kavanaugh. You can find me everywhere at Javanaugh87. Thanks for listening. And most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!